If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. HarperCollins presents Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Neve, Helena, Elle, and Leone, four lifelong friends who also happen to belong to the oldest coven in the United Kingdom. When oracles predict the genocide of all witches, the women must choose where their allegiances lie, with the coven or with each other. The New York Times called Her Majesty's Royal Coven superb and charming. From best-selling author Juno Dawson comes a brand new fantasy trilogy for fans of a discovery of witches or the craft. Out now in hardback and audiobook, narrated by Nicola Coughlin, star of Bridgerton. Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You are listening to Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones. <laughs> Hi, Dylan. Hi, Juno. And I'm sure listeners who are fans of this episode will know the face that went along with those expressions. It's the episode oh. of The Face. It's <laughs> the face. It's season five, episode six, critical condition. It is. Tell us what happens, Dylan. So, Open your pot. So Carrie, I need like a pot opening button noise, <laughs> like a <laughs> something. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so Carrie is. Ugh, Carrie is. Oh, Carrie. Uh, I don't know if it's like the heat. It's very hot at the moment but I was watching it and I was like I need you to shut up right now as as were the <laughs> as were the other characters in the show to be fair were like I was like I need you to shut up right now Carrie so she's having an existential crisis about a good review that she had from Michiko Kakatani of the New York Times um mm-hmm. about her book yeah her first book yeah um Samantha's vibrator is broken um yes Miranda is really struggling with Brady, baby Brady. He's just not mm-hmm. sleeping. Um, so there's that. And Charlotte is getting D. 
divorced and Bunny comes back, I think, for the last time. Is this the last time we see Bunny? No, we see Bunny once. No, maybe we do. Maybe that might be the end of Bunny, actually. But Have I... we had the scene in the museum where Charlotte is docenting and she sees them from afar? Oh, We've Bunny that, and Trey. Oh, I yeah. don't. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it was the end of season four. That might have been end of season four. Yeah. But in this episode, um, I think in, it might. In this episode in particular, I thought there must be a reason why. Kyle McLaughlin wasn't in it because this strange like I'm getting ahead of myself but like when that telegram Mm. arrived from Scotland I was like why didn't Kyle McLaughlin like burst into the room and say anyway yeah he was busy well we'll we'll deal with that I have obviously I've got a factet about that oh great so um um, yeah, so notably, this is this episode introduces us to one of those memorable one-time Sex and the City cameos from Nina Katz, yeah. the talent booker from Saturday Night Live, the fictional talent booker from Saturday Night Live, um, played by Nadia Tajani, I believe, yeah. um, who, fact fans, had a recurring role in the CW's Carrie Diaries. Oh. an entirely different character, which is how we can say definitively that the Carrie Diaries is not, not canon. canon. Yeah, it's multiverse. I never watched it. A, no, it wasn't, and I'll tell you why. Because I knew it wasn't canon. Yeah, because Carrie is raised by a single dad. Yeah, and we know that Carrie's dad quit. Yeah, her family. So I remember it didn't get much buzz either, really, did it? Like there was a bit when it came out, but people didn't really care. Um, no, so it's funny. So by the time in season two, they introduced Samantha Jones. Yeah. The young Samantha Jones. And that would have, and I wonder if there was a big grand plot to introduce one of the core women per season. Mm. So like would season three have introduced Miranda and then Charlotte, but obviously it got canned after two seasons. Do you know what? It's one of very, very few good things about the movie that didn't happen. The montage of them all back in the 80s is quite fab at the start. It is quite fab, yeah. yeah that's we, we approve of that. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. yes. So, Carrie. Carrie and her review. Um, I don't want to brag, Dylan, but I did also get a rave <laughs> review in the New York Times. Um, something, what was it? Oh, Skillful and almost unbearably charming, I believe, was my New York Times. But if you'd been Carrie, you would have been calling me saying, unbearable. What do they mean, unbearably? What do they mean? Do you think I'm unbearable? (laughs) You'd Um, have been, you've been, you'd have been tweeting whatever poor journalist at the New York Times wrote that, being like, hi, I just want to ask you um, what you meant by unbearable. <laughs> I mean, it's a rave review in the New York Times, Carrie. They don't hand them out to just anyone. And, and I mean, I leave this up to our reader's discretion. But you might, if you are a certain way inclined, enjoy reading Mishika Kakatani's review of J.K. Rowling's The Casual Vacancy. Treat yourself. Oh, it wasn't a good review. It wasn't a great review, ladies and gentlemen, and they people. Oh, I'm glad. Um, Mashiko, uh, um, is critical. Shall we say of Joanne? <laughs> let's not. Um, let's not. Just <laughs> sometimes, if you're having a bad day, um, <laughs> it's fun to just bring up Mashiko Kakatani's review of the casual vacancy, which was, I believe. A hatchet job. <laughs> Beat yourself. Um, yeah, Mashiko Kakatani's a real person. A real yeah, I didn't know this. Reviewer, yeah. I didn't know this until you said that just then. 
Um, so, yeah, another line I really enjoyed was when Carrie meets Nina Katz. She says, here I was worried about the New York Times when apparently I'd already been reviewed. Like, oh, shut up, Carrie. <laughs> this one, that's my one. I think this episode actually has slightly less Carrie. You will not Samantha and Miranda get a lot more to do this week. Yeah. Um, so I, I suspect this was the episode where Carrie was given some holiday. Yeah. Um, what I liked about this episode was that maybe for the first time we have Miranda, Samantha, and then Stanford all telling, telling Carrie to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Stanford's speech at the end was so satisfying mm. when he was like, I have spent the last kiss. And it was one of those where every so often it feels like they're addressing the viewer a little bit and being like, <laughs> yeah. we know. When Stanford was, what was she like? Oh, yeah. When he was like, what do you think of Marcus? And she was like, nice. Nice. <laughs> and then he was like, I have spent the last two years listening to you talk about Aiden and I'm sick of it. Um, and I think it was probably spurred by the fact that that first scene at the cabaret show she was being such an asshole like she was like oh I think I understand the three drink minimum now watching his boyfriend's show like lovely Marcus in his just little... doing his high kicks yeah and his, his little bowler Liza Minnelli bowler hat yeah like oh what a bitch <laughs> yeah I mean was it dreadful Yes. <laughs> yes. Is there a very particular corner? I don't know, Dylan, have you ever ventured into Theatre London? I have. And <gasps> yes, I was thinking this. There is a certain type mm-hmm. of cabaret show and there's mm-hmm. a certain venue in particular. That piano bar. Do you know the one I mean? Yes. <laughs> Off St Martin's Lane, there is that weird basement piano bar. That used to be a public all... that used to be a public toilet. Did it? There's a well, there's a few of them, so there might be different ones. So my ex, I know he's listening. Hi, Eric. My ex-boyfriend, Eric, is what I would call a musical gay. Yes. And he plays musical instruments. He enjoys musicals. Um, and it was, it's this bar where all the kind of the Western performers frequent. Yeah. And there's some guy on a piano and you have to take your sheet music. Yeah. And you give the pianist your sheet music. And then you're just like, and all that jazz. And everyone's um, everyone's wearing like waistcoats and berets and maybe a bit of eyeliner mm. for both boys, for both the boys and the girls. Um, it's all very like prohibition vibes. There's lots of red velvet. Um, the Phoenix Artist Club on Charing Cross Road is very that as well. Also vibes, um, yeah. A brilliant venue though. A great like. Oh yes, protect. We need to protect the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah it's a great venue. for listeners actually, London resident listeners. If your parents mm-hmm. visit London, the Phoenix Artist Club is in down an unlabeled door underneath the Phoenix Theatre, and it's a very impressive place to take like parents because it's very like wow, like London cabaret bar. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but so I, th- so I can say it's not for everyone. When I used to go with Eric, I felt like an absolute imposter. <laughs> like, because you can't, it's not karaoke. You can't just get up there and do your very best part of your world from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Like, you are up against actual West End performers who are kind of auditioning as if their life depended on it. Yeah. Because you never know. You never know. Cameron McIntosh could stumble in <laughs> and hear you singing so um I remember yeah, once um when I was about the, I remember once when I was at the Phoenix like Sophie Ellis Baxter just turned up and did a couple of songs and it was fab <laughs> I mean amazing yeah. I mean that's London London that's so, lo- so London sometimes London's uh, your boyfriend <laughs> yeah it's the fifth woman truly <laughs> um so I can appreciate that it's not Carrie's scene and I did love 
you know, it was all going so well, having that moment of female solidarity in the women's bathroom. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are no transphobes listening to this, but as a trans woman in women's toilets, it's lovely having that little conference over the sink yeah. about sort of like, like, oh my God, this film is terrible. Can we leave? Kind of. <laughs> um, and so there was that moment of sisterhood, which obviously rapidly turned sour with the arrival of the face. Go on, Dylan, do, do your face, do yours. <laughs> um, now, is Nina Katz being rude? Um, yeah, a little bit. In the in the toilet, she is. She's like, oh, wow. Um, mm. Like, that's kind of like... I mean, it's like so very, like, superficial, childish behaviour, I think. It's highly odd as well. Like, for me, so let's turn the tables. Okay, so I dated Aiden after, after Carrie had broken things off with him. Yeah. So I would have been like, oh my God, so are you Carrie Bradshaw? Yeah. And she would have been like, yeah, oh, like, I recognise you from the newspaper. So sometimes I get that. I sometimes get spotted in the wild. And yeah. it's, it's weird, but also very flattering. Uh-huh. And then I would have said, oh, we don't know each other, but I used to date Aiden. Like, what a small world. Yeah. And then Carrie would have said, oh, how is he? And Nita would have gone, oh my God. Like, he was so heartbroken. It was so fucked. Doomed. Doomed rebound relationship. Enjoy your night. Bye. <laughs> But to just be like, and Nina was like, oh, wow, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, you're Carrie. Oh. Wow, you must be such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, to be, you hurt men. To be fair to Carrie, like, if someone did that to me, like, oh, God, you're Dylan, I would be a bit like, I would, like, go back to my friends who are sat at the bar and I'd be like, oh, my God, guess what just happened? But I don't think I would obsess about it. And then stalk the person. Like I mean, Carrie. truly, Carrie goes to a dark place. <laughs> she does. Like, of obsession. She does. And, and it, it is sad because obviously her obsession with Nina Katz overshadows what should be an absolutely phenomenal professional achievement. Yeah. Um, and this leads us to our question, which is let me get it word for word is when it comes to life and love, why do we believe our own worst reviews? Mm. And I will say this, as an author of many novels now, the your bad reviews really stick in a way the good ones don't. Mm. So I think this is highlighting something about human nature, because I tell you, I can still remember an absolutely stinking review of my debut novel. Reader, that book came out 10 years ago, and I can still remember all the thousands and thousands of people who've told me how much my books mean to them. Someone saying on Goodreads, this, the dialogue was so bad, I threw the book against a wall. Uh, Stuck with me because actually, I, I, you course. know, I've always really prouded myself on my dialogue. I think it's actually the thing I do best, kind of. Of course. Um, so we do cling to the negative. So I think while Carrie does spiral out of all control, I will accept that we do, mm. we do really, it hits hard. Nobody likes to be criticised. I was really interested in this. Yeah, when I, when I realised what the question was, I was like, oh, this will be an interesting one for both me and Juno to talk about. Because mm. I, a lot of people think that I left journalism and left the magazine because of the pandemic. I resigned two weeks before lockdown hit. So it was just a coincidence, really. It was really mm-hmm. bizarre. And the reason I resigned is because I couldn't hack it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. The nature of QX magazine as a scene, a weekly scene magazine that went to gay mm-hmm. venues, meant that the criticism was regular and aggressive. 
and from people that I knew <laughs> every week. And I couldn't do it. My like my ego's too big. I mean, I will put that out there. Like my ego was too big to deal with it. What were people saying? Um, so I would get people so part of the issue was that my whole the the thing that I wanted to achieve taking over was to convert it from a gay men's magazine into an LGBTQ plus magazine. Um, Because that reflects what the scene's actually like in London. And it was like moving with the times. Like most most gay media is now sort of queer media rather than gay Mm -hmm. men's media. Um, But the upshot of that is it's very difficult to, particularly with a small weekly publication, it's very, it's a, a tough sell to represent every corner of that community every week. So there was always, understandably, there were always people who felt they weren't represented because they weren't. And I tried to do it all and I couldn't. (laughs) <laughs> frankly no no um, nobody can yeah I mean, I mean yeah and I used to I the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was someone came up to me when I was in the glory once holding the magazine and was and held it in my face and said it was really shit this week and I think you did a really shit job and I was like I can't do this anymore <laughs> Um, yeah. Not if you want to go to the glory, apparently. Well, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. I mean, it's not like a poor me thing, but it's just I just that's why I found this question interesting because I was like, wow, yeah, mm. criticism is hard, and I think particularly with our not so much me anymore. I'm not in such a public facing job, um, but yeah, like with me with my journalism and you still now, like it's such a thing, isn't it? It is. And of course, sometimes we get reviews about this very podcast. Yes. <laughs> like, for example, they do, some people do not like it when we talk about our own lives. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry to those listeners, because we just both talked about our own lives. But it is generally really lovely reviews, which reminds me, leave reviews, listeners. That would be, <laughs> yes. that would be lovely, because it helps. Our, I didn't, I learned this recently. If people leave reviews on like Apple podcast and rate us, it really helps our like alg- algorithms and like pushes us up in like various charts and stuff. So. Oh, there you go. Thank so, you very much to anyone who has ever left a review. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> not not bad reviews. Please don't leave no. bad reviews. <laughs> just just good reviews. Thank just you to anybody stars. who has lavished praise on us. At so. least four stars. We're, we're happy with. <laughs> yeah so I, I i also so while again we can understand why carrie is smarting yeah her absolute spiral cannot be forgiven no because track they got she tracks down nina at the bagel the park with the yeah bagels. Um, with Heather Graham. Which just begged the question, how often does Nina Katz stalk those men? Actually worrying as well. <laughs> whichever one's, what is it, Heather Graham's like, should I get you a man or a bagel? And she's like, whichever one's got less carbs or something. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> Weirdly like... Was that a thing, was that a thing at the time? <laughs> Heather Graham. <laughs> there is a name that I have not thought about in a long time. <laughs> So obviously Heather Graham first came to my attention, I guess, as Felicity Shagwell in Austin Powers. Yeah. Where she plays a male gaze fantasy. Yeah. You know, not a lot happening there. And then I later discovered that, of course, she appeared in season two of Twin Peaks as Agent Dale Cooper's love interest, Annie. Um, who dies. And it's strange because, here's a little factor, Heather Graham was cast because Kyle MacLachlan, who of course, Trey McDougall, um, 
Kyle MacLachlan didn't believe his character should date the Audrey Hawn character played by Sherilyn Fenn because Audrey Hawn was a schoolgirl and he didn't think it was right that an FBI agent would be seen to date a high schooler. Mm. However, Heather Graham at 19 years old was younger than the actor Sherilyn Fenn. <laughs> That's bizarre. So um, great work all around Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> Good one. I feel like he's a well, yeah, I'm not so sure now, but I feel like he's a good egg generally, Kyle McLaughlin. From what yeah, I've and seen. actually he made a valid point, which is why the fuck did we all buy into a relationship between Agent Dale Cooper yeah. and a schoolgirl? That's wrong. He was right. But the, but then the the way they rectified that by hiring an actress younger than Sherilyn <laughs> I mean, Fenn is, is quite special, actually. That is just like classic. That just sums it up, though, doesn't it? Like it's so up. Hollywood. Yeah, but at least yeah. she's not playing a schoolgirl. <laughs> fine. She's cool. fine. She's twelve, but she looks twenty-five, <laughs> and she's playing an adult, so it's fine. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this randomly Heather Graham, who seems like a good egg, actually. Heather Graham, she seems like really good vibes. If you follow her on social media, she, you know, she seems like she has good opinions on things. Oh, okay. But um, but yeah, no, she yeah, she is straight strange cameo. Yeah. <laughs> in in the same vein, I think it was that this period where it was where it was like actors were falling over themselves to be in Sex and the City. Yeah. Like, I didn't realise that Joss Whedon wouldn't give Sarah Michelle Gellar time off from Buffy the Vampire Slayer to film her <sighs> iconic role as Rebecca, the film development exec. So they had to film in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. He literally but- went from the set of Buffy, filmed her cameo, and then went back to Buffy. But I love Sarah Michelle Gellar for doing that, though. Like, rather than just being like, oh, well, it can't happen. She's like, we're going to fucking do it. And we're going to do it in the in middle, the of, middle the of the night. Clandestine. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Um, mm-hmm. Should we have a break? Are we done with Carrie? I was sort of done with Carrie. What? Is there any resolution? I liked the scene with her and Steve. Yeah. And in the same way that I quite liked her and Steve and I'm just like that, they have a nice little dynamic. Yeah, I like it as well. It is a weird dynamic. The friendships you form with your friends' partners mm. are really liminal mm. because, of course, if they should break up, you will, of course, side yeah. with your friend. And that relationship will wither like a severed limb on a tree you yeah. know it's kind of and so I like you know I like an awful lot of my sort of friends partners but with the caveat you are dead to me the day <laughs> yeah. your relationship ends yeah and so um so I quite liked seeing although can you imagine being summoned by Carrie Bradshaw to talk about summoned your the, mutual friend summoned to the stoop <laughs> so weird like Carrie let it go for fuck's sake and then when she's um, talking about Aiden she gets all she almost gets annoyed at Steve for like mm-hmm. telling her, she asks a question, gets an answer, and then she gets annoyed. It's like, you fucking asked. Like, and also, like, you cheated on him. Like, yeah. of course, oh. <laughs> but in the words of Samantha, best line of the episode if I yeah. worried what every bitch in New York thought about me, I'd never leave the house. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> well much. done. The line of the episode. And on that, we shall go to break. Do join us in a second where we will talk about the harsh realities of being a single mother. Hold up. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to So I Got Thinking. Um, this week, you are listening to Dylan and Juno discuss critical condition. Um, everybody is getting bad reviews. We go to a review. <laughs> reviews are the theme of this week. And shall we talk about Miranda, who kind of carries this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And is getting bad reviews from her building because Brady will not shut the fuck up. I like that um, credit to both Cynthia Nixon and to... I guess the beauty onset beauty and styling team that at lunch <laughs> at lunch she looked like a stressed out mm. mum like respect there was no makeup that I that I could see like she her clothes were dirty like yeah a rare example of sex in the city like being going quite real yeah going yeah, real like it's almost <laughs> kind of quite startling because yeah. you're sort of like why does she look like that? Yeah. Like, especially because, and we've said that, we've noted that this season, that you will not see Carrie Bradshaw without an astonishing amount of makeup on this season. Her, yeah, well, particularly when she was really... on the... Particularly when she was on the steps with Steve, I noticed, like, I mean, it was gorgeous. Like, her face looked beautiful, but I was like, she looks she looks like a photograph, like... Um... Yeah, so, so next to, next to the other... Um, the other women, um, she Miranda looks especially dowdy. But I think again, this kind of comes from from Cynthia Nixon wanting to constantly sort of challenge herself, um, and really kind of go there with these 
big sort of plot lines, whether it's Che Diaz or abortion. Mm. And it feels like by this point, Cynthia Nixon, who is an incredible actor, really wanted stuff, like yeah. the really meaty plot lines, like the episode My Mother Bored Myself as well, which is the one she won the Emmy for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you can see that, like how all, all actors at some point in their career want to play a gay person and a junkie because they might <laughs> win a prize for it. I think um, um, Miranda wanted to play struggling single working mother and she does it really fucking well. Yeah. Like the scene where she's trying to brush her mangy hair <laughs> is so good. Like kind of like, and she does, and, you know, she has to go to work and oh... And we also oh, have we also have our second mystical black woman in a row this week. Oh fuck yeah! With, um, Played by Lisa Gay Hamilton as Kendall. Yeah, I looked her up. She's in everything. She's in Scandal, mm-hmm. House of Cards, Ali McBeal. Um, so, but so this is really interesting oh. because I remember I brought up this episode when we were watching and just like that when mm-hmm. Miranda seemingly couldn't talk to black people. I was like, she's got her neighbour, like, who, and it's all, and they get on fine, and Miranda doesn't end up, like, using any racial slurs. Touching her hair and shit, yeah. Touching her hair, like, it's just chill. Like, she lives in New York, she knows a black woman, great. Like, I, yeah, but it just made me think of that. Mm. (laughs) But, um, I don't know. Yeah, oh, God, let's not get into one just like that. It's too hot to get into one just like that. Um, (laughs) But I I like, because I think, and I said this, so... As a childless woman, when some of my cis female friends started having children, it did feel like a little gulf opening up, Mm. partly because some of my real dear friends quickly made friends with other baby moms through NCT classes. And I think that's kind of where Miranda's gone wrong, which is, you know, you know, I was a bit of a carry in that situation that I was making their new friendships about me. But I think those friendships are a necessity because I think as somebody who's just had a baby, you have to surround yourself with other people who've had babies for the same reason that I wish I'd surrounded myself with more trans people at the start of my transition, Mm. because you need the fucking hacks. Mm. And I think whether it's transition or parenting, these are life events where actually you can really benefit from little hacks you know and like obviously Kendall knows about the vibrating baby chair yeah you know it's a lifesaver and and so while I sort of you know saw some friends drifting away and forming new friendship groups that's correct that is absolutely what should happen because in that instance I couldn't offer that that advice um it is unfortunate that yes we have our second black wise woman in two weeks um (laughs) But I'm sure Miranda was grateful for the advice and also the haircut. Yeah. Which looked lovely. Well done, John Mandy of John Mandy Sour. That, that was sweet. And also the the one the one instance of Carrie being good in this episode, she it was mm-hmm. good friending of her to like go to Samantha and be like, oh, maybe you should like do something. It was good friending of her both to Miranda and Samantha because she was like helping their relationship with each other by yeah. doing that. Um, Although, again, she did ring Miranda to complain about the face <laughs> quite early in the morning. Presumably that was like 8 a.m. Um, um, so God knows what Carrie was thinking. But she did offer help as well. And Miranda does say just offering helps. I always think 
if any listeners have a friend who has just had a baby, just check in. Yeah. Just check. It's not, it can't be fun. One yeah. imagines never had a baby, but. Um... That was, that was, I really loved that line, actually. Can I do anything to help? And then Miranda saying, that helps, just asking. Like, that yeah. was great. That was really good. Um, send money. <laughs> send money. <laughs> send money. That, that would be my advice. Or well. send like a delivery maybe like a meal oh yeah make some food make a lasagna yeah take a lasagna actually, lasagna is one thing i can't make for shit actually oh and um, buy a lasagna go to your local cook Do, does everywhere have cook you get really delicious veggie lasagnas they're gold oh, they're gorgeous it might be a bright um, i haven't heard of cook i think they're in the south possibly okay. they're really good they're like posh frozen meals oh i've they're seen really those nice. and they're in like sort of really um, wooden packaging is it they can be, yeah, the the, the delicious. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think I take know. take a frozen lasagna to your recently birthed friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, Miranda has to overcome bad building reviews. Meanwhile, um, Charlotte is dealing with, I guess. And I'm pleased that we've come back to this because a divorce, I believe, in the index of life stresses, divorce is only second to a bereavement in terms of the things that cause the most emotional impact to humans. Mm, yes, um, I've heard that. So I, you can't just gloss over the fact that Charlotte's marriage slowly and painfully broke down mm. and ended miserably. Um and so it's glad that Bunny is back. I suspect the reason, so to come to your earlier point about where is Trey, this episode wouldn't have happened if Trey had been present mm. because he would have just told Bunny. Actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. for plot reasons, yeah. we had to remove Trey McDougall so that Bunny could terrorise Charlotte. But more importantly... Harry's here. Yes, Harry Goldenblatt. Spitting out his blueberry bagel. <laughs> we love <laughs> Harry. The, I think it's we next do. episode, isn't it, where he's like sweating everywhere. The sweat. Yeah, I'll get a bit of paper dripping onto the divorce papers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we know, we know, we know where it's going, and obviously this, this possibly quite late in the day, Harry is the single most important development in Charlotte's plot. In that, of course, what we learn from Harry is that your future might not look the way you imagine your future to look. Yeah. And why it's so important to let go of your preconceived ideas about what your future is going to be. Um, which is kind of the same advice that Enid Frick gave yeah. to Harry last week, which is it's true of the fall line and it's true of romance, yeah. which is stop expecting it to look the way you think it's going to. Some interesting, and Interesting themes this season. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's because Carrie's not dating. Yeah. So it opens us up to have these slightly more sort of philosophical conversations about life and love, kind of. I also noticed um, that this is the first episode that I can remember where, like, it's kind of indirectly about men. Mm -hmm. But the, we've got four storylines that do not have a, a man in them. So there's, like, Carrie's mm. obsessing about Nina... Miranda with the baby, Samantha with the vibrator. Samantha doesn't have sex in this episode. No. Um, and then Charlotte with the divorce. So, yeah, it was interesting. Interesting episode. That's true, actually. Written by Alexa Jung. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm. We're passing the Bechdel test. Well done, everyone. Mm. Um, 
so that was, I think it's it's an important episode. Obviously, Charlotte doesn't appear a lot. I think she's only in two or three scenes. Yeah. But obviously, it's a very key episode. And actually, the scene, the scene with bunnies, I felt very heartfelt. Actually, yeah. you know, we've seen Bunny as a figure of fun, but actually she is truly villainous in this episode in, in that she really plays on Charlotte's worst fears, which is that she is a bad wife, you know, and that she, you know, abandoned Trey, that she didn't work hard enough. Now, we know that's not true. We saw Charlotte work on that marriage for two seasons, kind of. But um, that must have been hard. But then, obviously, she gets her rave review from Scotland, from Trey. Via um, Telegram. I was like, Via Telegram, Telegram? mother. Stop. <laughs> um, so, Kyle McLaughlin was meant to be in the last episode oh. of this season. And um, you know, the one where they go to the pool party at Richards and with the melons and Harry is there with Charlotte. There is a scene, you can find it on YouTube. There That's is a scene so where weird. Charlotte meets Trey at the party, which was filmed, it was done. And That's it was so meant weird. to be the big farewell forever. But for whatever reason, the scene ended up on the cutting room floor. I don't know why, but it, mm. it is there. You can find it on the internet. So yeah, it's it is there. So yeah, so I believe the telegram is the last we will ever hear of Trey McDougall. I would not know how to send a telegram. No. Because now we have email. <laughs> um, maybe Trey, like Carrie last season, doesn't know how to work an email yet. Um, I wonder if te- you can. I wonder if one can still send a telegram. Stuff I know, it's like Google. <laughs> Can you still send Telegram? Will just like an advice box pop up saying, "Send an email, you loser." <laughs> oh my god, there is an official, an international Telegram official site. Oh wow, I'm going to send someone a Telegram instead of um. That's so weird because if you had someone's address, I guess it pays for postage. So it's if you maybe if you don't understand the postage. I'm going to send someone on, I'm going to ask someone's address on Grinder and then send them a telegram. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, no, not my type. Stop. <laughs> and then it <laughs> arrives like a week later, probably. <laughs> wow, that's so weird. I can't think of the situation where that would be. Okay. Maybe for a wedding? Oh, yeah. You know, as... people read messages at a wedding? I bet people do it as like a gimmicky, like as, a, as like a cutesy retro like invite thing, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, God. God bless Telegram. God, email really spoiled their party, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, fucked them. Justice and speaking, speaking of fucked, um, Samantha, who we see, again, wearing very beautiful lingerie, not not a yeah. fleck of marabou in sight. <laughs> um, Samantha, who has never struggled to catch a dick, is pleasuring herself with a vibrator, which I was pleased to see because sometimes... It's so fun and so easy to get yourself off, either mm. with a sex toy or without a sex toy. It sounds awful. Sometimes even I'm a happily married woman, but actually sometimes you just want the ease of just doing it yourself. Yeah, the touch of my hand, as Britney Spears once sung. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it made me think, like, still very... In Sex and the City, it's quite rare. We've had it a couple of times, haven't we? Women masturbating. Mm-hmm. And we've talked yeah. about it before at length, haven't we, on this podcast? Mm-hmm. But it's still so rare. So it's always good, to, always nice to see it. 
Yeah, we had Alex Fox in. Can you remember years back yeah. when Alex Fox reviewing some vibrators with us? Season so, one, yeah. Um, um, go back and listen. And um, she had some amazing tips for the top. And um, I get offered the chance to do SponCon for sex toys every <laughs> single week, constantly being asked if I want to receive vibrators. And I can't. I have a picture book coming out this year. <laughs> you know, it's bad enough that we've got this podcast, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I can't. I can't mm. recommend sex toys, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, but I will say I fully support them. And yeah. they are wonderful. And I can understand. I, I also like Samantha's thrifty, thrifty going to get a refund. Because I honestly, if my vibrator died within warranty, I would just put it in the bin and surreptitiously buy another one. I don't think I would be waving it around sharper images. <laughs> this vibrator is like, no, it's a neck massager. It's a neck massager. Do we think product placement, sharper image? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes. I thought Samantha would have just gone to a sex shop. Why is she in sharper image? Like, what's happening? Right. Um, <laughs> I will say this. I can understand if one was doing a really good job. Yeah. Why you might be inclined to repurpose a neck massager. Uh-huh. But you could also just go and get a purpose-built sex toy. Yeah, you would think, wouldn't you? We had rampant rabbits. We've already met the rampant rabbit. This... And I, I love her, like, giving all the women the tips. Yeah. Oh, no, that'll she burn is... your clit off. <laughs> the Machiko Kakatani of sex toys. And now we don't need a Machiko Kakatani of sex toys because we have Alex Fox. Yeah, so... she is. She is the Machiko She is the Machiko Kakatani of sex toys. Um, and on that... Um, I think that brings us to the end. Dylan, why do you think we're so inclined to believe our worst reviews? I think it's just human nature. I think everyone does it. And in fact, I think if you don't have at least, it's very important to avoid like self-loathing and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. But also if, you, if you're not like at least a little bit self-critical and take a little bit of note of your bad reviews, then you need to a little bit because otherwise you're delusional. <laughs> is yeah, that, I think is that too harsh? I don't know. So there's a difference between constructive criticism. You know, as a writer, if you yeah. don't like getting feedback, don't be a writer. Um, yeah. But then, similarly, Nina's advice isn't particularly constructive. It's just a face. Um, <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I think criticism does cut deep, but hopefully, you can. You can grow from it. I think we need to, yeah, the, I must admit, actually, the inability to accept criticism is something I find very unappealing in other people. Mm. I think it's, you know, the inability to admit fault. Mm. It's not sexy. It's not yeah. cute, especially in romantic partners. Oh, totally. Yeah. But it's a bit of a red flag, actually. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, very co- um, yeah, it's very common um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, I have a listener message. Oh, I love a listener message. Yes. It's a great bit of intel as well. So it's mm-hmm. from Owen in London, who's one of our London listeners. Hello, who says, Owen. Who says, hello, I don't know how much you're into niche facts about sex in the city. Um, we're very into <laughs> niche facts about sex in the city. But you were talking about Miranda's baby nurse, Lena, a few episodes mm-hmm. ago. I found the blow and it made me laugh. They definitely recycled actors a few times. So I've just noticed that Vince Vincinetta, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her name, apologies, 
Vincinetta Gunn, who had a very minor speaking role as Miranda's baby nurse in season series five, also appears in season three, episode two, politically erect, as the woman at the political fundraiser who walks away aghast when Samantha says she doesn't believe in the Republican Party or Democratic Party. She just believes yeah. in parties. Wow. Although there isn't, although there isn't much, if any, detail about Lena, I'm suspecting she's not the kind of woman who attends Upper East Side fundraisers for the city comptroller. And in fact, Vincenetta Gunn was playing a different character. P.S. Great podcast. <gasps> Thank you, Owen. That is great. <laughs> love, love that for us. Love that for us. Um, so yeah. on that, um, next week we will be joined by a very special guest, the lovely Tia Coffey from RuPaul's Drag yeah. Race, joining us as we onboard the love train to San Francisco Amazing. to see Mr. Big. Um, until next week, um, don't read your reviews. That would be my <laughs> advice to any writer out there. Just stay off Goodreads and we will see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.